an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1126. Hey, it's time to talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com. Like Jordan, who writes, well, I've done it. After nearly eight years of listening to the podcast, I finally started my own podcast. It's called The Gallifreyan Files, and it's an excuse for me, a black, blind, and agender nerd, to ramble about Doctor Who. I'm currently working through the 10, quote, most disappointing, then 10 best stories, according to Gizmodo's 2015 ranking of all the stories from 1963 onward. I'm so excited that I'm putting my opinion into the world and not just talking back to my podcast listening device. Uh, The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Play. Uh, Jordan, what a fantastic thing that you're doing. I mean, yes, you know, like, I think any of us who started a thing were fans first. And then we were like, you know what, I think I want to make a thing now. So uh, congratulations on um, coming to the side of content creator. Um, your podcast sounds fantastic. And what a great structure to march through um, all the episodes from that list and to weigh in on it. Maybe you'll agree with some of it and maybe you won't. And that's why uh, people should listen. And then also, you know, uh, remember why they loved uh, Doctor Who and, and maybe where to start if they're thinking about uh, diving in to, you know, 60, almost 60 years of, uh, <laughs> of Doctor Who episodes. Uh, and I do believe that I'm going to guess that there are probably more than a few Doctor Who fans uh, who listen to this podcast. So, uh, again, it's called The Gallifreyan Files. And uh, check it out wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much, Jordan, for submitting events at ID10T.com for anyone else who wants to uh, get your stuff up on the corkboard. Let's talk about this episode. Sam Richardson, who is a brilliant actor and an amazing comedy writer and performer. Um, He's been in such fantastic stuff. Um, Sam uh, was a co-creator and a writer and a producer and an actor on Detroiters. Um, He was on Veep uh, for three or four years. Um, He is in The Tomorrow War, which uh, just came out today, July 2nd. Um, And also, uh, he came on the podcast to promote Werewolves Within, which looks fantastic. Um, it's in theaters now. It's on digital rental, rental and VOD July 2nd, which is also today. Um, 
and uh, it just looks great. So I highly recommend. It's like a well, it's basically like a, a I like a, a dark comedy horror uh, movie about werewolves, and uh, I'm really excited about it. So um, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on the podcast. And also, Sam has a, a an encyclopedic knowledge of, of television from the last several decades, which we talk about. Um, also has a background in um, comedy sketch and uh, improv. So um, just a really, really great, super funny dude. And uh, it was a real joy to have him on. So here we go. The ID10T podcast number 1126 with Sam Richardson as we roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. Sam, Chris, how are you? I'm okay, how are you? I'm also okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you. Good to see you too. I, I was just thinking the other day, I, I remember taking this picture, I think it was at a Comedy Central upfront in maybe 2017. Yes. Were you in that? I think you I might have been in that. I wasn't that. It was like literally everyone who was on the channel at the time. And I think the only person in that picture who's still on the channel is Trevor. And literally <laughs> everyone else is not there. Plate wiped clean. Just That's so true. <laughs> completely. I was just talking to my producer, Katie, before you hopped on. And we were talking about, she was like, man, I love Detroiters. And I go, it would have been so awesome if there was like five or six seasons of, of that show for when pandemic happened on Netflix. Like, <laughs> yeah, people would have watched the shit out of it, you know? And I said, yeah, but you have to understand in the four years that At Midnight was on, Jon Stewart left, Stephen Colbert left, John Oliver left, Key and Peele left, Amy Schumer left, Workaholics finished, like <laughs> your show. Like literally the whole identity of the channel with just in a four-year period, just cleared out. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And like, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, Trevor's there. Trevor's there. Yeah. Uh, and like, if there's nobody there from South Park, it was like Trevor in South Park is like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a really fun time, and I remember that being a really like. To me, it sort of felt like. Uh, I don't know if you ever watch. I know you watched a lot of TV growing up because I saw your thing on Conan where you did all the theme songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember Laugh Olympics? Do you know what Laugh Olympics? Oh were? yeah, yeah. All okay. the uh, Hanna Barbera. Uh... Right. Yeah. So for me, that was like being in Laugh Olympics. Like, <laughs> oh my god, it's oh hey, there's Amy and there's Trevor and there's you know there's Ricky and, <laughs> yeah. and, and Natasha and you know <laughs> Broad City. The Broad City was there. Yeah, Broad City was there too. So it was, yeah. I like we're all in that. character the whole time too. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 the it's that moment where you're like where you're a fan of everyone, so you're like, holy shit, and then you realize like, oh, I kind of work like we all. I think yeah. I'm part of this. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like like looking at that. I don't remember last time I looked at that photo, but it was like really a cool thing to see. It was like, oh, these are my contemporaries. Like I'm. Not, I just like watch because I, I mean I've, I've always watched Comedy Central. You know what I mean? I, and so like I was like, oh yeah. 
you know, ooh, ooh, cool, a Comedy Central photo, like a bunch of, oh, no, I'm there, and so is Tim. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a show. Like, you're, you're in it. You are, totally. you are, you are part of, you are Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I was surprised that, because some of the theme songs that you seem to know by heart are, they predate you. Yes. So, so that means that you, I, I felt a kinship to you because I was also a devoted TV fanatic. Yeah, a lot of TV trivia floating around in my head that take the place of things like people's names that I know now or where my keys are. Hundred <laughs> percent. So uh, what? What? You, so you just nonstop, just, like absorbed as much television as possible. Yes, truly. Like, and I was. I think I, think I saw a. Uh, there was like a meme or, or something We're talking about like how kids will never understand uh, the idea of just like watching a show because it's on. You know, because like it's just like what was on TV was what was I was watching. So I'm like watching Dear John, and I'm watching you know It's a Living. You, you know, <laughs> you know like, oh, TV. oh my god, that show It's a Living. Life's not the French Riviera. They were like cocktail waitresses, right? It was like, yep, it was exactly. like Billion and and this whole and they were just like snarky cocktail waitresses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, god, I completely. <laughs> I there I completely forgot that show existed. There were some weird fucking shows. Just so weird. But to me, I was like, yeah, that's that's just television, you know. <laughs> I mean, do you, having absorbed so much television, can you imagine doing anything else? <laughs> no, no. I got my ten thousand hours uh, <laughs> just sitting in front of the screen. <laughs> so let's see. If you were born in. Probably, I'm guessing in the mid to late '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you caught mid. Okay, so you you sort of caught you you must have caught the comedy boom, like the '80s, the full on like like I still occasionally will watch some of the old Dangerfield young comedian specials. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just see like you know oh what happened to that oh where they oh, they're still working oh you know they die you know just kind of like going through. Mm-hmm. Were you as obsessed with stand up or were you, was it? Was it more like just sketch and... and... Uh, a, a bit. I wasn't like super obsessed with, with stand-up, but I would always like remember watching like a Star Search and seeing a stand-up on there and then being like, oh, I know him from Star Search, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> such, a, such a weird show. I mean, like, <laughs> we have AGT now, but AGT is sort of like except for when they're doing the auditions. Like, when people are on AGT, they're generally like, well, these are the these are kind of the best people at what they do. Right. And Star Search was like, let's roll the dice. You know, let's roll the dice. Let's see. This guy says he can juggle. All right. <laughs> Two stars. Two stars. Three and a half stars. Two and three quarter stars. But and Star Search was really Yelp for performing. <laughs> it was in time. <laughs> Two stars. Would not watch again. <laughs> <laughs> I love your career because it's you 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 you've had this really great parallel between being a creator and also and being a creator of good shows and good content and also just being on good stuff, you know? Like it's yeah, yeah. it's kind of a nice and it feels at least from what I gather, you never know what people's actual journey is unless you really sit down and talk to them at length. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of seems like right out of the gate, you were working on really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was very, I was very fortunate. Like 
uh, coming out to L.A. Because, uh, like, the very first thing I worked on, the very, like, first uh, Hollywood set was Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. You yep. Know? yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was incredible. And I'm, like, working with Jason Bateman, you know. And then and then right after that, and it aired before Arrested Development, but I, was, I had a, a series recurring on The Office. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just, like, straight up, I got to work on two amazing shows yeah which i like <laughs> is unheard of i mean that's not to say that i just like showed up to la with like two suitcases and was like and a dream you know right. but uh i like definitely uh i know there was a queue that i could have been standing in for a long time and i was like fortunate enough to kind of get to straight up just show you know my stuff like right off the bat <laughs> but you also your background is second city isn't it Second city, yeah. Yeah, so you you had, at least you had sort of like a comedy pedigree training coming in that people were already aware of. I mean, there's definitely like, a, oh, you know, like there's, whether it's Second City or UCB or, or Groundlings or whatever, it, it definitely helps not only open doors, but, but, the, but the performance track y'all are on in those programs is so insane that you're so, would, I mean, do you think, do you feel like, it seems like you're so hyper-prepared and trained yes. for, to get dropped into anything at a moment's notice. 100%. And like going through even like the, my background, from, I, I first started Second City when I was uh, 16 in Detroit. Uh, and in Detroit, so I came up through there. And then like by the time I was like working on the stages and like performing and like getting paid to do it, you know, uh, understudying the main stage and then performing on the main stage. Uh, the Detroit audiences for sketch and improv were very blue collar. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely like uh, resistance training because like, you had to get out there, you had to get them on your side immediately, you know? So like, there was no like sort of, uh, we had to like pair the art with like just grind, you know? So we had to like get out there and like no. We had to get a laugh within like the first three lines. Otherwise we'd be in trouble. Uh, and then from that, then we like, like learn how to like kind of, then, then we get comfortable in it, you know? So, but like when you're first starting, I, I feel like people come up in Chicago or like improvising in Chicago, it was different, you know? Cause like the, the audiences already expect, you know, they're already like, Ooh, this is second city. So I know I'm going to give them the patience cause they're going to, they're going to find something. They're improvising. So, ooh, I wonder what magic happens from this. But in Detroit, they're like, this better be, I should, ooh, I paid $30 for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. And that's such an interesting thing about comedies because audiences are not aware that they have just a little bit of work to do. And that little bit of work is just being open to just, they have to just, they don't have to meet you halfway. They just have to meet you a little bit of the way you know, like if you see, if you know that people are having more fun in the audience, you're funnier because you're feeding off that energy. Exactly that, you know, and like especially like live comedy and in theater, like like the show will be better because we feed off of each other. Yeah. You know, like the laughs or like just the attentive energy. Uh, you're so receptive to that. I remember I got so much better. Uh, I mean, I I, I feel like I, I one moment where I sort of felt my uh, improv and like my comedy and my acting kind of like ramped up a notch was I was performing 
uh, on the touring company of Second City in Chicago. And I, uh, <laughs> I'd always knew I n- knew I needed glasses, <laughs> but then I got glasses and contacts and all of a sudden I was on stage and I could see faces and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, <this> is... <laughs> like, ah, you, oh, okay. And you're, I can see you respond to this moment, and you respond to this moment. I can wrap that up, but I see that you hate this, so I'm going to actually do that more because I like to see that from you, you know? Oh, my God. That whole time you were performing partially blindfolded and you had no idea. <laughs> exactly. It was just like a blur. I was like, oh, I guess this is what it is, you know? People are just – and maybe that also was, like, helpful – for me to like get comfortable on stage that like, I didn't even know it. It's like, imagine everybody in their underwear. I'm just like, they're just like a blur. I'm like, yeah, sure. You do it. You hear sounds. They can't see each other's expression. I don't know how, Oh, 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 it's just me. It was just my eyes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, 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 this is how people are supposed. Oh shit. Oh my God. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they, I can see teeth and things now. Let's redo those other shows. We should just go redo all the other ones. Right. <laughs> Can we do that? Is that right? We do that. Can we go back? That is such a that's such an amazing place to train. Like that environment is such an amazing environment to train in because you know I always I would always say like L.A. is not the best place in the world to learn comedy because you're essentially performing for other performers, which can be fun because but but they're all sort of the shows. A lot of the shows are very inside because yeah. inside baseball because everyone is kind is somewhat in the same boat. But when you go to a place that does not have the entertainment industry as its core industry, you get a random assortment of people and and all of the bad ha- all of the habits that I learned on stage learning comedy in LA turned out were bad habits. And uh, you know, people in Indianapolis don't really care about your audition story, it turns out, because right, they right. have not been on auditions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, cool. I auditioned for a play in high school once. You know, <laughs> like this. Like it wasn't it. funny, but I don't know why you're telling this now. <laughs> exactly. $30. So did you and like, for- it feels like also the same, like on that same note, like, or uh, learning improv in LA, uh, it feels like it's automatically uh, a rung in a many ladder, a many stepped ladder, you know, whereas like if you're learning improv in Michigan or in Chicago, that's like the that that is the brass ring. You know what I mean? Like doing the fit. Like, like so I feel like in L.A. people learn it because I got to learn this so I can audition for TV and I can audition right. for movies. Whereas like in Michigan or in Detroit, you're learning improv so you can perform improv. Right. You know, and I mean, right. that's not, of course, it's not across the board. That's not like you know everybody who in LA or like in New York or whatever because there's so many brilliant some of the best improvisers in the world like started and like are yeah. from there but it, it feels like the the eyes kind of look past that and, like, and you get so many people in classes in, in LA where their agents told them to take an improv class right you know right Versus like in Detroit, it's like, oh, I know, I, I know Second City. I know improv. I want to come and perform. Here. I want to do improv, not just sharpen my skills. I mean, improv training is amazing for anything, I think, just because of the way it forces you to just commit and also work as a team, mm-hmm. which as stand-ups, you know, we're, I'm, we're not always good at doing because we're just so used to sort of being in charge of the environment and, you know, and, yeah. but, but it's such amazing, it's such amazing training, but I think it's that way in LA because, when after when the comedy boom ended at about 92 
but then like all, but then there were all these sitcoms like Seinfeld and Home Improvement, and they were basically stand-up centric uh, shows. Then there was this like rush for like comedians were getting deals left. Like you would just need to have, you needed to have like a tonight show set or like a tight five to get a deal. And so then it was incentivized in the nineties to just have like, you know, who, what's who, we didn't use the word brand, but that's basically what it was. Like, Mm -hmm. what's your point of view in five minutes on stage as the basis for a sitcom go. And it read this kind of weird other type of comedy that was very short form uh-huh. and very like punchy and like here's who I am and just a few jokes and and again sort of like you were saying without necessarily pursuing stand up as the art but more of like you said it's like a me- as a commerce like as a means to an end uh-huh. which is a slightly different you know and I'm not saying one's better than the other but it was just a it was just a slightly different iteration of the comedy that you would see if you went to Detroit or Indianapolis or Reno or whatever, which is just like, I worked all day. I don't, you know, I don't want, I'm, I just want to turn over my time to you right now and not have to think about anything other than, you know, having fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Do you miss the live performance? I do sometimes, but then like sometimes when I, when I do it again, sometimes I'm always like, Oh, I've got this pressure on me because like, like I don't do it so often. So I feel like when you're getting your reps and you're performing every day, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do another show tomorrow or this one. You're not even thinking about like before or after. You're just like, I'm doing it. But when you haven't improvised in three months, you're like, oh, man, I've been improvising three months. Uh, oops and then you're in it you know <laughs> uh, uh, yes and uh uh, uh aliens <laughs> shit oh god i haven't done this in a while uh, do you, and do then you... there's like it feels like there's a pressure also where everybody's like don't worry everything this guy's gonna say is gonna be a one hilarious so what hmm that's kind of like opened a jar okay <laughs> maybe it's like a funny jar <laughs> hmm no <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is uh, this jar is not that... I, I've seen funnier jars. I don't understand. What's the jar you're... No freaking snakes even popped out of it. What? Okay. Which, as we all agree, is the funniest kind of jar. It is the funniest kind of jar. <laughs> like, maybe some sort of, like, fart jar, but I don't know if we have that technology yet. You know what? Farts in the bottom, snakes in the top. Why have we not made the snake fart jar? I mean, my God. It's... We're, I mean, we're, we could be millionaires. Someone's be- going to invent something like that and be... A, what did your dad do? He invented it. I don't like to talk about it. What is it? Wow. <laughs> Have you ever seen those fucking jars that fart? Oh my god, the snake fart jar! That snake uh, fart jar. You're a dead snake fart jar guy. Shut up! I don't want to talk about. It. You have snake fart money. I don't. I don't want to talk about this. You have a responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've been making these for six generations. <laughs> the family line of snake fart just never. They were able to corner the. I don't know though. It you know like it, I always wonder for as you gotten significantly more recognizable and famous in the last handful of years what you sort of said is that pressure of like you know when 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 you're a young performer and people don't know who you are you sort of feel like oh i can you know whatever I, there's no expectation i can you know mm-hmm. do you feel any do you really kind of feel that pressure sometimes if, if you were to get on stage like i you know these people probably they know who i am and is that does that affect the choices that i make or like because you can't really have any fear or roadblocks, especially when you're doing improv. You have to just be free-flowing. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I feel, I do feel that 
And then like, there's, there's like, at least it's a couple steps to like not feel that anymore. And, but then like that whole time I'm feeling that I'm like, oh, but I'm feeling this. And then that, in those moments, I'm not in the moment, you right. know? So like the whole time I'm aware of myself and like part of it is that you have to be unaware. You have to just completely be blank. And like, of course, like, you know, the frameworks of how scenes and improv and like the mat and like the macro view of the show and all that works. But for that second, even where I'm like kind of double thinking, I'm like, Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't entered a scene in like two scenes. All right. Now I've got, now I've got to come out the top of the scene and now I've, and you're like, oh, no, 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 just improvise. Just, you're, you're watching the show and you're in, the, you're part of the show. But like that sort of, uh, that that sort of delay and that awareness, I feel like kind of <laughs> uh, echo chambers itself. Right. You know, but then once I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, that's right. This is what I, I love this so much. I dedicated my life to this for well, years that's where all and the years. comes in too, where you just, where you can let go and then know like, Oh, that's right. I've done this for years. I know how to do this. And I used to just, like get out of your head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How much was, um, was Detroiters partially improvised or was uh, it? No, we mostly scripted it, but we, we would like improvise in the right. Cause we were, you know, we, we wrote the whole thing. So, uh, and, and not, not, the two of us didn't just write it. There was four of us who created the show and then we'd have a writer's room, but we, the four of us were in there every day. And like Tim and I would just kind of talk the lines and yeah. like kind of get it to where we knew we wanted it. There were some things that were like improvised, uh, but for the most part, we like kind of knew exactly what we wanted to. Right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Do you prefer that experience to like... You know, you know, Veep, you show up on this show, which is just a murderer's row of like the funniest people in comedy. And they go, oh, here you go. And you just show up and you don't have to worry about edits or you don't have to worry about takes or you don't have to worry about you just show up and you get to perform. You and do a- the thing, you know, yeah. uh, both. You know, I, I, cause I appreciate doing that on Veep so much because I was able to just kind of be Richard Splat and like kind of just like get the size and like kind of know that like, all right, this is, this is what I get to like singularly focus on and like time myself to everybody else. But I'm, I, I have no responsibility for anybody else, but myself, 
I don't have to look at this and like go check the monitors and be like, oh, how? no, that's not my job. My job is just to do this, which I, I fully love that. But like Detroit's was great though, because like every part of it, which is also a part of its frustration is like <laughs> every single decision, every single moment and like word and line or like, it, it, even out into the edit was like, oh, I've, I know every decision being made here. You don't even think about it. You, when you come to set and you're like, what color is it, the tablecloth? I'm like, oh, I don't, it's a tablecloth, right? Like, well, no, we got to know. Do you want green? Do you want green checker? Do you want, I'm like, oh. Uh, <laughs> then, but then like you, but, but of course you have to answer that question. Cause then like all of a sudden, then everybody else, then everything, nothing matches, you know, but it, it, there's, a, there's a, certainly a sense of like full ownership when you've done something like that, you know? Yeah. But then they, but then you go, they go, well, it could be green or green checkered, fine, green checkered. Well, that's going to strobe with the camp. Why did you offer that as an option? Why'd you ask? Why'd you ask? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Make it orange. Well, I don't know. The floor is orange. That's gonna. I don't know. I just. I just want to make jokes. I just want to make jokes. I don't know how to build a kitchen set. I just. I thought that just happened. I don't. You know, like yeah. coming up to Harry Anderson and saying, "What shape is your gavel? It's gavel shaped." I don't gavel. know. Uh, I'm doing a magic trick. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, come on! I can't. My thumb's disconnecting here. What's the? I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I do. I do. I miss. I mean, I guess just because it's a time that we grew up in, where where sitcoms were absolute king, you know. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like now the traditional sitcom is not dead, but it's not. It's not as much a thing, you know. Like it's just yes. not that you know, everyone's watching this one episode and it's like, it's comedy on it's Thursday night and it's fucking, you know, it just, yep. I don't know. I kind of miss those days. Me me too. You know, and like, like uh, yeah, as TVs evolve, like sort of like the multicam TV shows aren't as prevalent or as popular and that sort of thing. But there was something to like, you know, you watch home improvements and you know, like your band of players and they're going to be in this house and they're going to go in that garage and they're going to go to uh uh, Benford, too. They're going to go to the uh, Tool Time set, uh, and then you're going to get some advice from uh, Wilson. And you like you, you get, there's a comfortability, you know. And like you're like, oh, come Halloween, it's going to be an amazing Halloween episode right. where he's going to like make a haunted house, and it's going to be so like, like that sort of thing that doesn't exist, or at least it's, it's it's not what the television experience fully is anymore. And I do miss that. And like, as a kid, I was like, oh, I'm well, one day I'm going to get to be on a sitcom like that. You know, I want, and I don't, you know, now I don't think that's the case, at least not for me. Have you pitched this? Have you pitched like a traditional four camera sitcom before? Uh, I have not. I, uh, <laughs> cause always all my, 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 uh, whenever I start like thinking about like, okay, how about this would be like a, a four camera sitcom. And I'm like, I'm always, I always go so genre. I'm like, how about this? One roommate is a secret agent. Another one's a superhero, but one's a Dracula. And then the other one, and I'm like, no, it's too much stuff. I, like, what I, want. I want to do that so bad. I, listen, I was in. I don't know why no. I would have I would have greenlit I would have greenlit that show. But not you know, I don't think, and I don't even think you mean 
like a vampire, like a, a descendant of Dracula. Uh, Dracula, he's of the Dracula family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. A, no, I'm actually a Dracula. I know that you like you use that as like a like a term to describe it, but I'm actually descended from Vlad Dracul. Like I'm, you know, I don't appreciate the, I am a Drac, I'm a literal Dracula. I'm a, I'm a Dracula. Like, I know you're saying like, oh, like a Rockefeller to mean that he's rich. No, my name is Doug Rockefeller. I am. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? I am. Do you pitch this show and call it literal Dracula? I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I think it right. I just based on the, Based on the title, that would have sold the show in the '90s. One title—that's all you need. The title, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. You know, do, do do you like the? I mean, obviously, I think you were on. I think you were on Veep for maybe three, three and a half full seasons. Right? Uh, I came in season three, and then I and I was I was on. I, so I did. Uh, full, I, so so four, five, six, seven. So I did four full seasons. Four, and four two full seasons. seasons You've actually done a pretty full sitcom, like a full comedy run. Mm-hmm. But those those things where you're like, you know, we all, when we first start, we all want to get on a show. I want to get on a show. I want to get on a show. But then you don't really think about like, and you were very, it's very cool that you were on an amazing show. But what if you get stuck on a show you're not crazy about? It's like, well, I should be appreciative because it's hard to get jobs. Right. But, there, but this isn't ending anytime soon. And maybe not as creatively like the, those, the, the sort of the, the twilight zone blessing and a curse. Here's what you, here's the thing you always wanted, but it's not great. And now you're stuck in it. And you're like, no, this is, oh, no. By the time you're done with this, you'll be 52. And I'm like, Oh, oh. you know, <laughs> you won't be able to do anything else because it's the nineties and everyone will only recognize you as this one character. No. Yeah. Like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, well, I did. I did win the lottery, though, right? Right, right. Yeah. You're like, oh, money, money makes you happy. Money fills the void, right? Yeah, right. Guys, right. <laughs> huh? It is. It is really incredible to think about. You know, like when we think about like Lucille Ball, we think, oh my God, Lucille Ball was one. Of, you know, she had I Love Lucy, and then a couple other shows. But literally, uh, when you think about Julia Louis Dreyfus, it's like. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything she's almost ever done has been some kind of a huge, a huge, like a huge, all distinct from each other, all distinct characters and all brilliant and all like incredibly successful each in their own right. It's like, it's mind blowing. Truly. Like that hit ratio is unfathomable. Like everything, like, like Seinfeld, one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, you know, and then uh, uh, New Adventures of Old Christine. Like, like she's been lauded and awarded for all of these shows. Yeah, you know? it's it's remarkable. And then, like you you bring up Lucy. Like, it's 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 Julia and Lucy who are like tied for most Emmys. I think. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> wow that's that's really cool she's I, I i was so i met her briefly i got to present at the emmys one of the many years that she won <laughs> and we were walking off stage and i said oh, it'd be really funny if you had just gone Ugh, i'm so sick of these and then just thrown it on the ground and she was like oh that's pretty funny and even just that little bit of validation like fed me for weeks <laughs> yeah but it's true that it just like if you're julie louis drivers and you have that many awards like at a certain point, you're like, just you have to put some of them in the closet. This is embarrassing. Like, I, right. if I have these out, people are going to think I'm, a, you know, like I don't, 
it's too much at this point. It's too much. Yeah, exactly. There's like a a uh, uh, what do you call it? like a, like a hamper full of them. Just <laughs> that's the Emmy hamper. I just I that, where they get. I just thought I put them there to get cleaned. Yeah, just exactly. Like that, that was like dirty. So you know, I like swap them out. <laughs> But she was also on that epic season of SNL that had her and Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer and Martin Short. I mean, it was just like it. She has really been a part of so much historical television. Entered. I mean, one of those shows would be like, wow, she did it. She fucking did it. And it's just like thing after thing after thing after thing. Uh, she's she's uh, otherworldly. Like in, in her approach, and like you, you, you talk to her about anything, you know, you're like, oh, you, like watching her uh, as a producer on Veep, and like for the table reads, and that like the notes that she like has, like you know, like like or the ideas. You're like, oh, yes, that's why you're Julie Louis Dreyfus. Your brain is tuned to the fucking super levels of comedy that are to most people like you wouldn't even think about because it's the subtlety of things you know what i mean right. and, and it's the subtlety but then also like like, like, they're like oh what would be funny here is the height difference between jonah and julia so like that's a, a level of comedy that you're like oh yes you see that and you <laughs> play into that at the same time as you're like the, the the dynamics it's real it, it was it was a full uh comedy workshop every day on set it it, it, it and it's also good that there are Julia Louis Dreyfus's in the world because it's very easy when you're in your own environment a lot and you kind of get comfortable with what you're doing you're like ah, I got I, I know I got this all figured out and then you see like a true master at something and then you go oh I am not that <laughs> I I have a lot. I don't even know if I'll ever. I I that is way beyond. I don't even know how a person gets to that level. Yes, exactly. Um, did I read that you went to a Jesuit high school? I did. I went to uh, you, uh, the University of Detroit Jesuit High School and Academy. You uh, I, I also went to a Jesuit high school. <clears throat> oh yeah, I went to two because my family moved. Did you guys have Jug as punishment? Jug. Jug. God. God. And it was Mr. Gumble ran Jug, ran Jug. So sometimes we justice under Gumble. <laughs> <laughs> and was your Jug just like cleaning whiteboards and banging erasers and cleaning? Ours was, was even just really just sitting in a room. So we just like sit at the desks and like kind of just be in silence. Oh, uh, we had to clean shit. Oh, we didn't. And I would, I would, I wouldn't mind getting a jug either because I developed the the ability to kind of like sleep with my eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like sit there and like just go with a space, like just there, and be like, <laughs> somebody said I watched you, and it was so creepy. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> Do you study Latin in high school? <laughs> uh, no, I did French. Ah. And I don't speak a lick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone retain their high school language? No, I don't think so. I don't. I really don't think so. Only, the only way I could think is like maybe somebody who studied uh, like high school Spanish in California. Like you have a chance to use it, you know? Yeah, but but yeah, if you're studying French in Detroit, when are you? How often are you? <laughs> <laughs> it is that thing about. 
about youth being wasted on the young because when you try to learn stuff when you're older, when you really appreciate, it's fucking harder. And when you're young, you you can absorb shit so easily and you just don't care about much of anything. It's such a fucking weird, <laughs> fucked yeah. up curse. It really, truly is. And like the older you get, the more you're like, oh, that's that's not just like a joke. That's the reality of things. You're watching, youth is wasted on the young. They're just like, yeah, I can do a backflip if I want to. If, if not, I'll figure it out and I'll get up and I'll try again or I won't. I'll skateboard. And you're like, no, all of these are life-changing events for me. If any of these things happen, if I, if I try a backflip, they'll be like, rest in peace. Or yeah. I'll, you know, I'll yeah. forever have a limp. Or if you completed it, <clears throat> you that would be your peak. You know what I mean? Like there would be... <laughs> that would be like, well, that's the thing that guy was going to do. And now he's got the rest of his life. You know, like a fucking 16-year-old could learn how to play Eruption in like a weekend. <laughs> and then, but then, so I can imagine, you know, like people like you and I are sitting around just watching TV all the time. And people, the old people are like, don't waste you. And we're like, God, leave me alone, you know, but now. Me. I'm never like, going to be you. <laughs> now we're, now we're that guy. Now we're that yep. guy. Do something. But, but the TV, it's it really does translate. I mean, you're absorbing all this stuff you're watching. You're basically, it's imprinting every angle of comedy onto your brain. You were basically because of the business that you went into, it was a masterclass in comedy and writing and performing. Truly. Like I feel like my comic timing is based on the comic timing of swaths and hours and Homes of scripts of tel- and performances of television that I've watched just so like, uh, you know, and I have my own, I feel I have my own specific, like what I think is a, a, like a perfect timing for things. But then I think I can also play what I feel uh, like, like, oh, I want to play the, the, the timing of like, uh, <laughs> like, like maybe I want the scene to like feel like head of the class. And so, like, I know what the timing of that is. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is another show I have not thought about in many, many years. <laughs> oh, my God. And again, this is the weird TV trivia that stuck in my head. I know that Howard Hessman started head of the class and then left, and then Billy Connolly took over. Yes, he did. And I did not realize, I, as much of a comedy fan as I was in the 80s, it was very difficult. Like, import comedy was, you really had to seek it out. Uh-huh. And if I had known when I first started watching when Billy Connolly took over head of the class that he was literally one of the best stand-up comedians in the fucking world. Yeah. He was popular in the United States, but not as like, he wasn't like a Eddie Murphy or a Kinnison or a Seinfeld or, you know, it was like, he's yeah. huge everywhere else in Scotland. But here we were like, oh yeah, he's pretty funny. But in but to discover him later, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's fucking unreal. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't know. I was like, oh, well, no, this is this is the show of the guy who was uh, the uh, the guy from Police Academy. The four, <laughs> uh, well, and he was on WKRP in Cincinnati, too. He was there. Yes, that, indeed. But that's where I think now young performers have so much advantage is that, you know, we thought we had it. We thought we had like this whole world opened up to us because of cable tell, because of domestic cable television. Yeah. Now people can literally watch everything from everywhere all the time. Anything, like any topic that you want to like think about or talk about, you put on YouTube, and there are 
50 people who have like weekly videos on and you're like, oh yeah, I can learn anything or know anything, you know? Uh, now that's not to say that everybody doing it is like doing it at the highest level, but still <laughs> the access is there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As someone who's watched a lot of guitar videos trying to learn how to play certain things, I'm like, I don't know if this, I'm just assuming this person knows what they're talking about. Right. It has, okay, it has 11,000 views. I guess it's okay. It must be decent. This, you know? must, be, this must be what it is. That's good. Like, I don't really know. But, you know, the what we had to swap out from having people tell us what to watch mm-hmm. is now we have to learn how to know what to choose to watch. Right. And that's tricky. Yes, exactly. Cause they can put anything there and you're like, well, this, this is the top one. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be right. It's like that. Right? Red- the top is always the best, right? Yeah. But you know, the top video is also like a duck farting on a baby. No, I know that, but you know, like it's all, it's gotta be the best, right? Top is the best. Top is the best. And I mean, I love duck farting on baby. So, that's... <laughs> you know, you and I could spend the next 10 years hashing out beat for beat, note for note, like just some sort of epic comedy piece that we then put up and it could get like 400 views and duck farting on baby gets like a billion views. A billion views by the weekend. So this leads me to my next question about comedy writing, which is how do you know when you're being too precious? Like it feels like sometimes when the things that you're so precious about every detail, you want it to be, Oh, it's going to make this. So, and then those, those bits where you just like, ah, you just throw something away. And then all of a sudden it just becomes the thing, you know, it becomes an amazing thing. What do you think that is? Well, I think it's when you work in a vacuum sometimes you are you're writing and performing for yourself and that's a good thing but being precious about it is a bad thing because in practice it's like somebody being a doctor like oh well i know that performing this surgery like this is how the book says so that's what it's got to be this is but, but then like the person's still flatlining so you're like well that's you got to do something else here that's not this this procedure isn't working you know, I feel it's like that where you like, it's great to be as prepared as you need to be or want to be. Um, but some, and sometimes also there's something to completely giving up to the moment and be like, I know that when we get here, I'm going to feel what this thing is, is, and then we're going to find what that is. Right. But I think when it comes to like being precious, it's wanting to like maintain control, but then like you're faced with a, a thing where like, it does it like it doesn't translate, you know, every, it's, it's, so we're talking, we're talking about like a subjective, right. Uh, medium. So, uh, and, and, and if it was just for you, if your art is, is truly just for you, then sure. You can be as precious as you want to be, but you're missing out. I feel from input in like, like by being, or from not being, uh, having any flow to it, not being a little rubbery, to allow uh, input and change, you know? Because going from Second City where you're doing everything in the moment and it's sort of like, well, everything that happens is the way it happens. Yep. And we're all, you know, it's like you can sort of control what people are focusing on on the stage by who comes out, how loud they are, like what the, but Mm -hmm. then you go to a completely different, which you would think is the same kind of thing. You're doing comedy, but a completely different set of tools when you're making like Detroiters where all of a sudden you're thinking about like 
perspective and wh- mm-hmm. what's the camera focused on and is this a good angle for this type of joke and what's in the background, you know, how did that mm-hmm. change your kind of tool set? What did you learn translating from stage sketch to, I mean, I wouldn't say that Detroiters was, it was a, it was a sketch ish show. There was, uh-huh. a, there were through lines, but there were sketches. Uh, I still have the Devereaux wigs theme in my head. Uh, <laughs> Devereaux. <laughs> I mean, it's a ringtone. That should be a ringtone. Um, what did you learn in that process? Um, well, kind of going from Second City and like sort of like uh, improv and like, like using improv to write sketch and those sort of things is you had the benefit of like, even if you were like, you you could in those moments, you'd be like, all right, well, you could bring a written scene. You're like, I know that I want this to go like that, you know, uh, or you could bring a scene that was like, like beats. And you're like, okay, well, I, I know this is the, the premise, but then like your character is this, your character is that, your character is this, or even this is a premise and there's a bunch of people at this bar and like the ideas of the TVs go out and now people have to finally like look at each other and talk and like, that's your premise, go with it, you know? And y- y- your, uh, your sort of test is like, is the audience laughing? Because you could be like, it's so good to me. Like, I'm laughing at this and we're in the room laughing at this and then we do, do it on stage and they're like, uh, you're like, uh oh, we it's got seven more minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you tell like, no, audience, you're wrong. This is very good. <laughs> you know. So I think that uh, that humbling uh, we did like, like kind of like is part of our uh, DNA. So like when it, when it came to like writing Detroiters, we still had that same sort of thing where it's like you could be like. Uh, I got, I'm pitching this joke. It's really funny. And then like, nobody laughs and you're, or they're like, or they like, ha- they laugh like this, you know, like, <laughs> you're like, Oh, uh, well, okay. Maybe, you know, like that sort of, but then sometimes you're like, you don't get how I'd see this. Trust me, this would be good. And then like, you can also like rely on the trust of them to be like, all right, well, you really do, uh, see something here and I trust you as a comedian or I trust you as a writer. So like, let's put that thing in the show and then we'll see. Uh, and then like on set, you're like, Oh, actually this does work, you yeah. know, or, or like, Oh, it doesn't work. But all we need to do is have the, you, you, this works. This maybe we're working a wide and then you have, you have like three people there ignoring him entirely. And that makes it work. You, right. you know, uh, it's sort of like just, with things like Detroiters where we had, it wasn't just like me, there there was Tim and there was Joe and and Zach. So all of us are putting our minds to this thing and all of us are checking and balancing each other. That sort of helped us to not be precious on things and to sort of like trust in some things and knowing that once we get to that point, we can fix anything if need be. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E 
Byte.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Yeah, and, and I think that, I think exactly what you're describing is why I hate writing alone, because even stand-up, you're not you 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 do produce the material alone, but it is but it is a relationship that you form with an audience mm-hmm. who will then sort of you know you get the feedback from the audience. So it's so stand up is weirdly collaborative, even though it doesn't seem. It's just the audience is just con, they're not contributing the jokes, right. but they do contribute the direction. You know, mm-hmm. and having a good ensemble of you know at least one other person to be able to have that trust and, you know, like that, I just, I don't understand people who are like, I just need to be alone to write. It's like, no, how do you not, how do you, how do you know? Like, don't, don't, how do you not, like, don't you love the dog pile of like someone else jokes and then you top it and then they top it and then you top it. And then like, that's, that's so much fun. So much fun. And like, then it doesn't feel weird to be like, I, I sometimes I feel like if I write something and I laugh at it, then I all make I'm automatically self-conscious of, Oh, do I think I'm the shit? So then I'm then I'm like oh but you, but like, of course you ha- I have to like enjoy it but it feels better to have it confirmed before I put it in front of someone else yeah you know so I feel like that sort of dogpiling is so necessary like I I, I want someone to beat my joke please beat it right it only helps it you yeah. know and yeah, then that, I get credit for it anyway somebody's like oh that's brilliant and I was like yeah I came up with it that well that and that and that's that's sort of the that's it, it is a school that I subscribe to, which is the comedy fan performer. So that it's not just like, hey man, I don't care who gets the best joke in this group, but just someone get the best joke, you know, like just that it comes, just that it happens. I just, as a comedy fan, I just want to be a part of it and see it happen. I don't care if I say it or you say it or she says it or that guy says it, like someone just say it so that it's the funniest that it can be, whoever that is. I agree. That's, that's, that's my, uh, credo as well. Are you writing something right now? Are you writing anything right now? Uh, and I'm getting ready to, to, uh, start writing a couple things, uh, collaboratively. So like, not yet. They're in the pitch, in the pitches. Got it. Got it. Got it. Did you have, uh, were you, did you, were you hired as an actor for Werewolves Within or? Yes. I was hired as an actor and then I, I was a producer on it as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What did you What did you get to do as a producer? Uh, kind of like notes on scripts, or like in in some, certain scenes. Like I didn't feel uh, like like if something was, I was like, oh, the comedy of this requires this moment. I didn't feel like bad being like, ooh, we're missing this. We got to do this. You, yeah. You know? And like, of course, not stepping on Josh's toes with Josh uh, is a brilliant director. Uh, 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 Josh Rubin, who directed yeah. Werewolves Within. Who also did Scare Me. Who did Scare Me, which is yeah. amazing, brilliant. But I also didn't feel any of that sort of, that, that, that feeling when you're like, oh, I, I, could, I could take the, I, it was like a little bit of best of both worlds, right? Where if, if I could 
have a micro view of just my character at times. And I could also like look at the overall and like be like, oh, this moment doesn't work how we're doing it, I don't think. And I can talk to Josh about it and not be like, excuse me, or like a snooty actor and be like, no, I, you know, you know, it's like I'm coming from a place of like feeling partially responsible for the movie and like my name is on as a producer. So I've like got to give feedback and I've got to kind of feel through it, you know? Uh. <laughs> well, that's cool because I think, I think a lot of people don't realize that producer can mean a lot of things. Like yeah. you can get a producing credit from just suggesting an ad. Oh, why don't you hire this person? But if you get them, then I get a, okay, fine. You get a producer like versus yeah. people who are very hands-on. Um, but it, so, and often when you, I think part of the juggling act is how do you make sure that all of the voices in the room who have a say, at least all kind of have the same goal in mind right. <laughs> with it, the direction of the piece. <laughs> yeah. And like, right. That's the question. Right. And like, and like, like the tears of producer and like that sort of thing. And, and like, Hmm. Being aware of yourself within like the, the structure of it and like taking, trying to take your ego out of it. And, and like the, sa- the same thing, like uh, of, of I don't care who gets the joke as long as we get the joke. Yeah. That same sort of thing, like as being, like being an actor and a producer in something where it's like, it doesn't, I don't care that like the scene makes me look like the best. I just want the scenes to be the best. And like as a producer, I feel more free to do that instead of being an actor and being like, ooh, can I give you a line read? Because like, that's, you know, it's like, ooh, uncomfortable. How about this? Woo! Can you do it like that? Uh, why, why are you, I don't know why you're... Producer. I'm sorry. Producer. I'm sorry. I, didn't notice the produ- I didn't notice the hi, my name is producer name. <laughs> it's a little name tag with a little badge under it. Producer. <laughs> <laughs> the movie looks great, by the way. And I know uh, you mentioned Josh, and then it was written by Mishna Wolf, mm-hmm. which was adapted from a, a VR game. Um, but it, and game adaptation is tricky, can be very tricky, but this movie looks really fun. It just looks like a great, fun, fucked up werewolf kind of comedy horror movie. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Like, uh, it's, I feel this this movie is gonna is gonna I I, I feel it's gonna do well. It's gonna be re- really loved because it's such a unique uh, sort of environment that the movie takes place in, and the, the vibe and the energy of it mm-hmm. is something that like kind of does harken back to like those movies that we grew up watching, but also like with like like a little bit of like Clue and yeah. like a little bit you know. Uh, but it's also very now not not now as in being like everybody's on their cell phones and like this but like now in, in, in that you know. it's a little cheeky it's like it's got it's just got like the right amount of cheek to it exactly exactly is there a dracula in it i can't tell you that fuck so there's they- definitely a vampire but you don't know if he's a dracula <laughs> can't assume he's a not every vampire is a dracula Vampires and Dracula. A lot of vampires are not Draculas, Your Highness. Okay, <laughs> we're not fucking the royal family. You know, we're not the fucking Windsor of vampires over here. <laughs> fucking, God, I don't know why this character's so mad. Fuck. Well, you know, he's been around fucking a long time. Draculas. I'm so sick of their fucking 
they're just so entitled. The fucking dra these Draculas are so entitled to my blood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything more fun than a than a good comedy horror movie. It's just every every element because you get the comedy and then you get jump scares and then you get the gross scares and then you just get I don't know. It's to me, it's just always going to be the kind of movie I would want to make. Yeah, it was re it was really fun to get to do. Uh, and like get to have like those sort of moments of uh, uh, if, like like to, to get to play out the group and like those like suspenseful moments and then you like kind of break that with like a joke or like those sort of I, I'm I'm the uh, the forest ranger uh, who's come to this town so I get to have those like moments like hmm what could this mean but I get to play those like real and fun I I, I loved it so much. Oh, that's fantastic, man. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. And I'm so, you know, it's just, it's so great to see people's careers blossom. It's just such a magical thing when everything fucking lines up and it makes me so happy when talented people like connect and they, and it, and it works because to me, that just means like it works, it works. Nice, funny people work on things that people like, you know, it's like, there, that means that there's a real nice balance in the world and that the business is working the way it should be. And that, that always, it, it fills me with a kind, because it, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hurt and pain in the business and you never know what's going to get made. You never know what's going to get follow through, you know, it's just, it's hard. And so it's not, it's nice when it works. Yes. Yes, indeed. Do you uh, uh, do you think you would ever, um, I don't know, like teach an improv class or teach, you know, just like for fun, you know, like share some sketch writing knowledge or is that anything you've ever thought about doing? I, I would. Like, I used to teach improv uh, when I in Detroit and then in Chicago. Uh, well, I actually didn't really teach in Chicago, but I taught at, when I moved out here. I was teaching improv and, 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 uh, and sketch. But I think I'd like to do it, you know, here and there now. Just kind of, it's always like teaching is always like a great way to like kind of check in on yourself too. And like watching people learn it is a way to also be like, oh, that's something I'm missing as well. You, you know, like it's, it's always like a nice uh, or like an interesting sort of reflection. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd be down. I'd, I'd, I think I'd enjoy it. Last two questions. Number one, what song did you do on Comedy Jam? Because I saw that you did Comedy Jam. Oh, oh, I did. I did Ballroom Blitz with Tia Carrera. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was really fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if there was one or two seasons of that show, but I did the first season. Oh, yeah. And it, and it was, was it one of the most fun things you've ever done? One of the most fun things I've ever done. And my high school, like one of my best friends in high school was in the band. I didn't even know he played in that band. And I was like, I was like, Jeff? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, he plays the violin in the band. And so we <laughs> Oh my God, it's the dude who can sleep with his eyes open. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to promote? Anything else? Anything else I can do? <laughs> to help your amazing career, please. What? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, uh, check out my my Instagram. I post on there every now and then. <laughs> the Sam Richardson. Uh, my Twitter, Sam Richardson. Uh, the Tomorrow War 
uh, comes out on Amazon Prime uh, uh, July 2nd. Oh, that looks awesome, by the way. It's it's really fun. It's, it's like a real huge, fun popcorn action movie. You know, uh, that's, that's that. I'm really excited for that. And well, then, yeah, yeah, and then Werewolves Within, uh, uh, June 25th in theaters, and July 2nd on VOD. It's so nice to hear that phrase again, in theaters. Yeah. We have yeah. a few less of them here in Los Angeles. I don't know what city you're in, but in Los Angeles, we have a few less of them than we used to have. Yeah. I, I think they'll come back around. <laughs> yes, indeed. I think so, too. All right, uh, Sam, it's wonderful to talk to you. And uh, yeah, and I'll, I don't know, you know, uh, I guess if there's a big Comedy Central reunion at some point, someday we'll recreate that magical photo. Yes. Get everyone together again. <laughs> yes, please. Good to see you, Sam. Good to see you, Chris. Bye. Bye. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.